Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Welcome back to the Digital Workplace Podcast. Today, our guest is Chase Warrington. He's the head of remote at Doist. Hey, Chase, how are you today? Neil, good. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little cold. We are into January here in the Midwest of the United States, and I'm in like the farthest room away from our heater. So it's a little bit chilly where I'm. <laughs> I, I won't talk to you about the weather here in the south of Spain then. Uh, I, I will not do that. It's okay, though. It's good to know some people are out there having fun. It is sunny here, which we don't always get, so it's it's still good. Uh, Chase, Glad we're going to get into a lot of cool stuff talking today. You have a lot of experience with distributed work, with remote work. We're going to be talking about the products you guys do. But first, we need to make sure you are a real human and not just thrown out there as a robot to us. Your question is, what is one of your most favorite smells? Oh, man, that's a, that's a fun one to start with. Um, I uh, I absolutely love this. Might be I don't know if this is going to be a super boring uh, response, but I absolutely love and genuinely spend time enjoying this every single morning. It's one of my daily non-negotiables: the smell of fresh coffee in the morning. So I have a little coffee ritual, and uh, I and one of the things that I love about doing that is is opening up a fresh bag of coffee and uh, and enjoying that. So one of my indulgences. Yeah, it's amazing. Like I've like recently coming to coffee and like the smell of the grounds even is, you know, better than the cup. I think like just smelling the, the fresh grounds like that. It's amazing. Oh yeah, definitely. That's, that's part of the morning. Every morning for me, I have to enjoy that. And then I get to the coffee when I get to the, the actual cup, but the, the smell is what gets my day going really. That's great. All right. We're going to say that's a human answer. I think it could have been programmed, but we're going to still tell it. A robot could have programmed that one. That, that wouldn't take too much AI. I don't think. Yeah. But. yeah. <laughs> I'm a boring human, but I'm a human nonetheless. We'll, we'll give you a pass, though. Cool. I really want to get into the meat of our conversation right away. So Doist has two main uh, products uh, that they're most famous for, uh, Todoist and then Twist, which is Doist, uh, or Todoist being a project management, task management system, and then Twist being more of a communication platform uh, for folks that are out there. But if you go to the Twist website, immediately what you're going to see is the word asynchronous, and it's going to be out there. It's going to be big and bold. Uh, we recently did a review of Twist uh, just to get into it and expose people to it and, and show it out there. But I want to get into the fact of you guys really have a bias uh, to say that work, especially distributed work, is best done in an asynchronous environment. So first, just walk us through that. How long has that been the culture at Doist, and, and how did that come to be? It's. I'm, I'm glad that it resonates, and you're right. It is kind of a bold statement, and uh, and I'm proud to say we were pretty bold about that from the from the very beginning. Um, even even when it was sort of a a word that nobody knew. Um, mm-hmm. Literally, you could like track this in Google Trends and such. Like nobody was looking at this word. Nobody knew what it meant. Uh, it did not perform well in uh, in case <laughs> studies and and surveys and things like this, but. We felt very strongly about asynchronous work, um, and and so uh, I think what helps here is a little bit of context. Doist is a hundred-person company, more or less, spread across thirty-five different countries. We have no offices. We don't work at the same time. We don't care when people work. We don't track hours. We don't uh, we don't hire based on location. Um, often, we don't even know where people are working from. But it works. We've been doing that for almost fifteen years. 
Um, we've, we've been pretty successful with it and, uh, and we work highly asynchronously. The thing was though, is that we built the company on tools like, for instance, Slack. Uh, we ran on Slack for a long time, which is, you know, obviously the default kind of communication tools for, uh, for software teams and, and startups and things like that. That worked really well for us when we were 10 people, 15 people, 20 people. But as we started to grow past 50 and such, uh, and get up towards, you know, where we are now with around a hundred employees, uh, working asynchronously in Slack got very messy. It's not designed to be an async tool. It's designed to be a, a chat tool and it's designed and it's really, really good at that. And Slack's phenomenal at this. So they don't need any compliments from me, but they're, they're really, really good at that. But it didn't work so well for async communication the way we really wanted it to. We didn't want people to feel like they had to live in their chat tool. Uh, we want people to disconnect, focus on deep work, reconnect when it works for them and and check in. Um, and that way. So we built Twist with this in mind. We said, we got to get away from Slack. We can't find something that really serves remote async teams really well. Let's build it ourselves. And um, and so, yeah, so we leaned heavy into async and kind of stuck our our flag in the sand and said, this is this is what Twist is all about. And we built everything in the product, all the things that it does have and a lot of the things it doesn't have are highly focused on asynchronous communication. As you go through the tool, it's amazing how baked in that whole, I'm just going to say it, it's a bias towards async. Mm -hmm. Like you see it everywhere from even from the fact of like when you hit a return or enter, like it doesn't automatically put the message in. Like that just gives you a new line to write more yeah. and to think more and to say, wait, there may be more. Some of the messaging you use inside the product suggests to people like, hey, does this need to be an immediate message or can you post this somewhere else? So it's really well done from our standpoint, just to be extremely clear about how you think work can be done best for those who want to, to work asynchronously. So my first question is, how's that working for you guys? Like, is it uh, <laughs> in terms of being very bold and not just trying to say, hey, here's a chat platform, use it to do all your chat. Instead of instead, you're saying, this is a communication platform for people who care really deeply about being asynchronous. Like, has that been something that, that's worked well for you? Do you feel like other companies should embrace that model? Yeah, it's, it's worked well in a relative sense. Um, so it, I, I think a little bit more context will will help explain that answer. We built Twist thinking that this was like a long-term play. Like, mm -hmm. like I said, nobody was using the word asynchronous even two years ago before the pandemic totally changed the way people worked. And we were not predicting that uh, like everybody else was not predicting that. So uh, we thought this was a long-term play and we didn't have huge aspirations of this being the mainstream product of overtaking Slack or something like that uh, from the get-go. We really thought this is going to be for teams that like us had kind of crossed that chasm past the the love of Slack, just like us. We we built we built the company on Slack for the most part, and and said, okay, we need something different. And when we talked to other remote teams before the pandemic, um, there we were getting a sense of that. You know, the we we did a survey at one time of of thousands of our customers and found that ninety nine percent of them were distributed teams, um, and that mm -hmm. was several years ago before before the pandemic. So. Every as remote has become more uh, mainstream, and more teams are really interested in approaching a, approaching their work in an async way, it's picking up steam. Um, so, yeah, you could watch, you could look at the at the numbers over the last two years and watch them just skyrocket compared to where they were, compared to where we thought they would be. Um, and especially since we rebranded the product and kind of re redid the whole thing from the ground up a couple months ago, but it's it's working out well in the in those relative terms that we 
expected it to. Do you think that has Twist had much of an impact in changing the culture of a team? Because when, when we were doing our review, we talked a lot about, you know, your team already has a certain culture. If you already have that bias yourself as a team towards async, you said, hey, this is what we really want, then uh, a tool like Twist will help support that. But do you have it as, as part of your mission at all or idea behind like trying to change the culture of a team that is a little bit synchronous, a little bit chaotic, a little bit like always on to try to push back against that? Or are you more just saying, hey, if you're already in async, come in and we'll help you with that? We really think the future of work is remote and the only way to do remote correctly and properly and in a, in a sane manner that won't just drive people to burnout is asynchronous. Um, even hybrid teams... We really think that they need to adopt remote first principles if they're to have success without the burnout. So yes, I, I do think that there is some part of our mission that says we would love to change the way people think about work. And and a really lofty goal within that is we would love for asynchronous to be synonymous with work. Um, can we change that on our own? Uh, probably not. But we'd love to be a part of that conversation, definitely. But I, I do think that it's important for any team that's thinking about using Twist or, or even just thinking about going asynchronous, you can technically adopt asynchronous communication with a variety of tools. You could, for instance, you could do it with Slack. You could, you could technically do it with just email if you wanted to or instant messenger if you really, really wanted to. But there are certain tools that are going to lend themselves to that a lot better than others. And so the idea in this case is first, think about your culture. First, think about how you want your team to work. And if you want your team to work asynchronously, if that's really important to the core uh, values of the team, then a tool like Twist could help get you there. Um, and and yeah. I think it's probably the best tool to get you there if if that's what's at the core of, of what you're trying to do. But if you're not, if it's sort of on the periphery, um, then, then you'd, I think you need to really think about you know what, what your values are in terms of what tools you're going to use and, and tie to those those goals and values. If somebody's listening to this and they're like, I really don't know where we are. Like, we don't really have an opinion, I guess, about if we're <laughs> if we're synchronous or asynchronous. What questions or how would you guide them through the process of figuring out what those values they have are? Yeah, I've been lucky in in my role um, at, at Duist. I've had the chance to talk to uh, probably hundreds of, of teams and and leaders that are at companies going through this process. So first, I would say like you're you're not alone <laughs> uh, <laughs> if if that's where you're at right now, because I think a lot of teams are trying to make that transition. They're They've gone from the in-office space to the to the remote space. They've gone from working um, in a in a very synchronous environment where literally it's like you know knock on the door, hey, do you have five minutes? Or hey, let's all jump in a conference room together. Or um, you know let's let's respond to something immediately to trying to figure out how to incorporate asynchronous communication into that world. And it's they're they're two competing factors. They they work against each other, synchronous and asynchronous. So. Figuring out where to go is is a bit challenging. What I would say is think about your current reality and think about your previous reality or think about the reality that you would like to have. And then think about every little process. Go through the nitty-gritty of your day-to-day -day and your week-to-week -week and think about which activities really work best in that reality that you want in a synchronous way or an asynchronous way. So an example of that would be like, in the past, we always had a 30-minute stand-up meeting in the office every morning. Um, everybody got up and said what they're going to do for the day. Now you're fully remote. Now you want to adopt asynchronous communication. Does What is the best way to get the same result, whatever that result was, whatever you think you were getting from that, 
what is the best way to get that same result or a better result now that you're in a asynchronous environment or a, or a remote environment? And then go through each of the practices throughout the day, every aspect of your culture, and think which way is best to get the actual result that we want. A lot of times people start shedding those processes. They'll mm-hmm. notice that actually we were just going through these rituals that weren't actually doing much good in the physical space. And, and now that we're in a virtual space, it really doesn't make sense. That's been such a, a big thing for us as we've been talking to people is just how much that digital world reveals what was going on before. And <laughs> we would have kept doing those 30-minute stand-up meetings perpetually forever yeah. and not really realize that there, there is maybe a better way to do that in some situations. I, I see a lot of teams even in the virtual world still still doing them. And and when you ask, like if you talk to the the CEO of that company and say, you know, what do you, why do you guys do that? Like, I'm not judging, just curious. Why do you do that? Um, there, there's a lot of times there's not really a good answer. It's like, oh, well, it's just what we do. It's the best way for everybody to know what's going on. You say, is it 30, 45 minutes every single day? Collectively, you're spending 20, 30 hours of man hours on that. Is that the best use of, of your time? Could you write it down and send it asynchronously and get the same thing done in five minutes each? Uh, so that's what I talk about. Just just pressure test these things and go, which, what are we doing and why are we doing it? And is there a more effective way asynchronously? And for us, you know, we, like for instance, at Duist, we've literally never had one stand-up meeting. Uh, we don't, we don't have uh, daily, weekly, anything like that. Uh, we've never brought the whole team together in a virtual sense, like to have a hundred people on one Zoom call. Um, we we get all of those things done asynchronously, and yes, still manage to have uh, culture and and uh, close friendships and things like that. That that works as well, but it it's. It's interesting to test these things. That's the that's the point. Yeah, uh, I'm going to come back to your culture bit in a second, but I want to close off with one question about this culture and your preferences again. Tell me the difference between a company with a very strong async culture, like they really believe it, they've developed best practices, they follow that, but they're going to use Slack, but they're going to use something that tends to be a little bit more synchronous. What is the selling point for somebody who has that really tight like internal culture to push towards needing to change tools? Like, I guess, like, which one wins in the end? Is it the tool and the infrastructure behind it? Or is it the culture of the team that's going to win out? The culture of the team, uh, undoubtedly, because I, I think, we, you know, we built a, a, a pretty sizable business um, on Slack, and it yeah. was possible. We just were also, like, beating our heads against the wall and and uh, and kind of... Uh, bur- finding lots of people burned out, finding people not really being able to focus, um, felt like we were wasting time. We did, we're a productivity company. We didn't feel like we were being as product as productive as we could. So we had the values in place, and we 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 did fine with that. We just weren't succeeding at the level that we really wanted to. Um, so I, I think the culture and the uh, the principles and and exhibiting those principles like the most important thing is like yeah you can have these awesome ideas and and uh i've seen i've been inside literally inside companies slack channels and and look through their accounts and you see that they're you know they talk a lot about hey we're going to work asynchronously and we're going to allow people to disconnect and all the same things that a lot of the very successful async first companies talk about but they weren't exhibiting it um often from the top down uh, they're, um, hey, we're going to jump into a call in 15 minutes. Here's the link. Um, lot, lots of things like this that cause people to feel like they always had to be connected to their tools. So, you know, having your principles is one thing and, and actually living by them is is a whole nother. And then what can push you over the edge, I think, is the right tool. 
Yeah, good point. Chase, let's shift a little bit. But part of your role as head of remote is what a lot of people may not realize with a, a fully distributed company like yours is that culture and in-person events are still a big thing. <laughs> so let's talk pre-pandemic. How often did you guys connect? Like everyone is in the same location uh, at the same time. How often was that normal for you? Yeah. So uh, pre-pandemic, we were meeting up twice and then another time an individual uh, individual people in one place at one point. And then about six months later, we do individual team meetups, which we call mini retreats. Um, in fact, we're actually trying to start uh, re- reigniting those in Q1 of this year with the uh, with the mini retreats. Omicron's throwing us some uh, some curveballs, but nonetheless, we uh, we do think it's important. It's a, it's actually a core function. My my job is head of remote at Duist, and this falls directly in my department. So we actually see co location as a very very firm pillar in the uh, in in the remote infrastructure of the team, which which is kind of cool, I think. Um, but, but that's just one of the ways that we, we actually connect as a team, you know, throughout the other, uh, 50 weeks of the year, we have tons of activities going on and, and, uh, in a, in a virtual sense. And a lot of what we kind of base these on is we actually feel like we can bond really well around our work. doesn't mean that we're just workaholics and we just focus on work, but we actually use work as a way to unite people and not try to force a lot of kind of awkward social situations that, that don't always make sense. But yeah, the co-located events are, are so key to us, uh, to us jiving as a team. When you only have that limited amount of time to be in the same space at the same time, what are the activities? What are the outcomes? What are the things you want to make sure happens like during that time? Like if this next one comes up and maybe the first one you had in, in several years, you got a lot of new people. What are your non-negotiables when it comes to we're in person, we got to get this done. So one of the first things that I try to focus on is actually is like less is more. Um, so having a fully packed agenda where people are uh, in meetings all day, every day, and and forced into brainstorming sessions and things like this uh, really actually don't work well. My my thought is we work we do the work really well in a virtual sense. Um, I get to go to my office every day or my favorite place to work. I design my perfect schedule around my day and my energy levels. Um, we, we've got remote work down pretty well. And so we actually do the work better uh, in, our, in our normal everyday environment. What I think is when we get together, that's the time to bring people together for bonding, team camaraderie, getting to know each other. And a lot of that happens over just organic conversation. So making space in the agenda for A, for people to connect just on a human to human level and get to know each other and see what conversations come from that is one thing. But then also providing people with the opportunity to recharge uh, and and you know step away from work is uh, is really important. So first, I kind of focus on let's make sure that we don't have an agenda that's just packed full of meetings. We usually spend a couple hours a day, usually in the morning, on work stuff, and those can be brainstorming sessions, those can be present presentations, they can be breakout sessions, um, they could be team only sessions, things like that. But then we spend a, a majority, probably 70, 80% of the time in more of a social setting, um, free time, activities, sightseeing, fun meals, and, and things like that. Excellent. I think that's such a good thing to remember as people get together is that that in-person time is often what makes everything else work so smoothly too. Yeah. And I find that that's the biggest reason why I like to get together with folks is to feel like, you know, in the midst of the asynchronous conversations you do have where you don't, you don't get as many signals. So if somebody types something that I could interpret badly, I might do that unless I know them. It's like, hey, we hung out. I know how they are. 
Like this is kind of what they're like. So I find that those in-person times really smooth out those communication processes too. It's so vital. I mean, when I joined Duis, I was there for five, six months before we had our first retreat. And so I got to quote unquote, like meet people in the virtual world um, and, and got one impression of them one way or the other, you know, mm-hmm. or just, you know, we, we jive or we don't. And then, but we got together in person. We went to Iceland, to Reykjavik in Iceland and spent a week together there. And I walked away with, I was just blown away by, you know, some people that were super introverted online were very extroverted in person, super extroverted online were very introverted in person. And, uh, and some people you could connect with really deep in the virtual world and, and not so much in person and then vice versa. So it was just really awesome to, to see that come together and to get all you, you get you kind of round out people's personalities when you get to collaborate with them in, in both senses. Um, so it, it definitely I mean, it's it's a it's a pricey endeavor to bring 100 people together from around the world. But it is we, we've decided as a team, it is absolutely vital for us. And, and well worth every penny. So um, if, if any team, you know, however big you are uh, as, a, as a remote team, if you're kind of on the fence about whether or not it's worth it, I can guarantee you it, it absolutely is. Nice. Chase, what's your favorite thing to say to people when they say, hey, digital culture is not working, my culture is falling apart because we're all remote, uh, we can't make this work. How do you respond to that? You do it. I like to say, uh, what's your email address? I want to send you this article I wrote uh, because <laughs> I, I, I really, I love this conversation and, um, and I get it. Like I, I'm actually the kind of person that really, I, I worked uh, at a hybrid, I worked remotely at a hybrid company before and the company was very big on bringing people together, doing events, tons of happy hours and um, you know, the, the classic like ping pong tables and things like that. It was very... Uh, very inviting in that way. And I actually loved a lot of that. I, I didn't necessarily want to have to be in an office and I didn't want to have to live in a certain place, but but I, I enjoyed a lot of that. And so I understand the person who comes and says, you know, you can't make friends uh, without being able to go out for a drink together after work or or play, you know, work, work out together in the mornings or something like that. But um, I, I think we're, a, we're one of many uh, now, one of many teams that showcase that that's not the only way to build culture. And, and I said it earlier, and I think a lot of culture, uh, a lot of the culture in a team is actually built by how you work together, not how you play together. So uh, we, we build culture in a lot of different ways. We build culture with the, the way that we communicate, the way we collaborate, who we hire and fire, the, the conversations that we have um, in a personal space, uh, the, the virtual events that we, that we create, the asynchronous games we create, the in-person events, um, all these things you know, connect us in, in different ways. And so you have to get creative with remote work and, and asynchronous work in particular. I think you can't just apply old methods to, to new ways of working, but there's, um, there's absolutely a way to, to create uh, team unity and bonding and, um, and fr- real friendships in, in a remote sense. So uh, contact me if you want to discuss it further. I'm, I'm happy to. I also did just post an article on this uh, about all the different ways we're doing this at Duist, which you can get on the Duist blog. Um, and uh, and yeah, hopefully hopefully it helps some, inspire some people. I, I draw a lot of inspiration from other teams. I'm constantly looking at what other remote teams are doing to yeah. figure out how to do this in a, in a virtual world. Yeah, excellent. Uh, where else do you want to direct people if they want to learn more about what you guys are doing? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, that that place I just mentioned is the uh, is the probably the best place. Blog.doist.com. There's a remote work section. Um, there's also a a section for asynchronous work and um, and Twist and Todoist. So there's there's lots of individual spots you can go there depending on which part of the conversation interests you the most. I'm available on LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty active there, talking about remote work and asynchronous work. And uh, recently uh, re-engaged on Twitter as well. So at DC Warrington, um, if you'd like to uh, tweet at me, if that's how you say it. I think that they still say it like that. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, thanks for being on the show. We look forward to staying in touch and talking with you again soon. Yeah. Thank you, Neil. Enjoyed it. This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast. If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you find Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice-a-month newsletter. It keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level 5 digital workplace. Music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep moving forward.